Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So glad you're here. I think we have interns here today, too. Do we have interns? Where are the interns? Come on. Where are they? They're, raise your hands. Make some noise, interns. Yeah, okay. Uh, the interns are here this morning. Uh, lately, I've been hearing everybody's told a funny story. Even Pastor Sherry's got into this, telling funny stories. So I, I, have, I, I think it's funny. Sometimes when you think it's funny, not other people think it's funny, right? We all have different senses of humor. But I'm going to read this anyway, because I think it's funny, and Zach, you think it's funny, and Zach says, read that story. So a, a drug officer stopped by a farm and found the owner sitting on a fence surrounding a pasture. Pastor. Not pastor. Pastor. Okay. He said to the farmer, I need to inspect your farm for illegal activity. The farmer replied, okay, but don't go into that field over there. The DE officer replied sternly, Mister, I have the authority of the federal government with me. Reaching into his rear pants pocket, the arrogant officer removed his badge and shoved it into the farmer's face. See this badge? I'm pretty thankful for this badge. This badge means I'm allowed to go wherever I wish. Okay, said the farmer, but you can't go into that field over there. Now the officer exploded and said, this badge gives me the right to go anywhere, anytime, on any land, and no one can stop me. No questions asked or answers given. Have I made myself clear? Do you understand? The farmer nodded politely and apologized. A short time later, the farmer heard loud screams. He looked up and he saw the DEA officer running for his life, being chased by his big, mean old bull. With every step, the bull was gaining ground on the officer, and it seemed likely that he'd sure enough get gored before he reached safety. The officer was clearly terrified. Help, help, help me, he shouted as he ran. The farmer saw the dangerous situation and yelled at the top of his lungs. Your badge, your badge, show him your badge. <laughs> I just think that's funny. Wow. <laughs> okay, now I have to segue into being serious. <laughs> I can still see that bull. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. You are such a good God. You love us so much. We are grateful for that. This is a special season. We're reminded to be grateful, and we're thankful for that. Lord, we pray that we leave this place different than we came in, that we would love you more, serve you more, walk with you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, I'm going to read from a portion of Scripture uh, in 2 Timothy 3.15. 2 Timothy, be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, it's always nice to pull them out and uh, open them to 2 Timothy 3, um, verse 1 through 5. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Written by the Apostle Paul uh, to a young man and his followers, people he, the Apostle, was discipling. So here's what the scripture says, but know this, 
that in the last days, last days, perilous times will come. And then what Paul does is he goes on to describe and give signs of the last days to make us aware so that we would be prepared. And here's what he said. Here are the signs of the last day. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. A lot of uns there, right? Slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Reading these signs and these descriptions here, how many of you believe we're living in the last days? Let me see your hands. Do you believe that? Yeah. But I don't want to, I know some of you are sitting there trembling in fear of which one I'm going to pull out and preach on. Uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk, since this is the season, and because John asked me, I'm going to talk on one of the uns, the unthankful, okay? Unthankful. Francis Schaeffer, who probably a lot of you uh, don't know who he is, but you should. You should be reading his material. He, he was the, he's the probably, while he was alive, the 20th century Christian philosopher, the main philosopher. People from all over the world, all religions, came to Francis Schaeffer's retreat and studied at his feet to learn what Christianity was all about. What a wonderful man he was. And uh, here's what he says. I am convinced with all my heart that the first step, everybody say first step, first step in God's people turning away from him, even while they tenaciously and aggressively defend the orthodox position, that is the position that, that believes in truth, that says Bible is the standard for that truth. So those that believe in that position, but the first step in turning away from God is ceasing to be in a relationship with him with a thankful heart. That's very interesting. Let us be careful, we who stand for the orthodox, historic Christian faith in the 20th century, that we have a thankful heart. Otherwise, it will not be many years until the orthodoxy is gone and we are faced with heterodoxy. I want to tell you something, folks. Those words have come true. They were prophetic and they have come true and we're living in that day. But I'm here to tell you that thankfulness is very important, much more important than most of us think. Thankfulness is one of the true evidences of a right relationship with God. Thankfulness is one of the true evidences of being in a right relationship with God. You know, I think personally some of the greatest words, combination of words heard or spoken or said around the world are these words, which are actually three in our language, not so in other languages, but mean the same. And those words are, I love you. I think those words mean more to most everybody than any other words, I love you. We hear it from each other, it means something. Hearing it from God, it means even more, doesn't it? But I think the next combination of words that are so important to people are thank you, thank you. Everyone loves a good thank you, and most need a thank you. 
I'm going to give you some things uh, about thankfulness, okay? It'll be on the screen. You may want to write them down. I think they're important. Some things about thankfulness. It's a command to be thankful. It's a command to be thankful. God only gives us commands that are good for us, that will make us successful, make us walk with him, lead us to eternity. He gives good commands. And Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. This is one of those commands. Be thankful. Uh, John mentioned Psalms 100, verse 4. says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Now, in any house, the gates come first, then the courts. Thankfulness comes first. Praise comes second. And think of when God speaks things, he doesn't just throw words out there. They all have tremendous meaning. And if you meditate on this portion of Scripture, you will see there's a reason for God saying thankfulness first and then praise second. We tend to take what we want out of the Scripture and, and do what we want, and so praise becomes more important, more spoken about. But that's not the way it is in the Scripture. If you are thankful, genuinely thankful for what God has done, out of your heart will flow springs of praise. And that's the way God meant it to be. So thankfulness. The Bible also says in Colossians 3.15, be thankful. And in many places in the scripture, it talks about being thankful. Thankfulness is a command. We also know thankfulness as intrinsically so. We know it intrinsically. And that means you know it because it's written on your heart. It's already part of your being. It's already part of your makeup. Thankfulness is something you know you didn't have to be taught it. In fact, most parents don't teach their kids to be thankful. They expect their kids to be thankful. Do you know what I'm talking about? You give something to a child, and, and, and the parents immediately interrupt that, that giving and that gift and that possession of that gift and that tasting of that gift, if it's candy or some kind of treat, by saying those dreaded words to the child. What do you say? Come on, you've all done it. And you've done it because, like that commercial because your parents did it to you. What do you say? What do you say? And the parents are expect. They don't say, say thank you. They expect you to know and they tell you. What do you say? And until the child says thank you, gives in and says thank you, they're not getting that treat. You understand what I'm saying? It's intrinsically. It's built in. Number three about thankfulness we have many things to be thankful for. The Bible says in Psalm 68, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. I love that scripture. I use that scripture sometimes when I'm just talking to children because I want them to know that they can serve a God who daily loads he doesn't say daily give you blessings. If, he's, if, if, if that's what it said, we'd start deciphering and say, oh yeah, he gave me this and he gave me that. But that's not the kind of God we have. Even when you tithe, God doesn't just double what you have given because that's not God. God says, oh, you gave? You gave out of that? Let me give out of my heart. That's why it's good to give more. I mean, a tenth is, is, is a minimum. I, I shouldn't be on tithing. But uh, John says, do that. That's good. Uh, <laughs> you can't outgive God, right? And so he daily loads us with blessings. Daily. Load. 
load. When you men think of a load, what do you think of? Not just a few things, right? A load, a dump truck, a double dump truck, parks it at your front door and just drops it there. For the year? No, every day he does that. So my question is, how many things do you thank God for every day? Maybe you don't thank him at all. So there's a whole load that God's given you that you haven't thanked him for. How does God feel? See, I run my life this way. I want to know how God feels. I don't think we consider God enough. God doesn't just load us so that we go away. But he loads us because he loves us. And just like parents, parents want their children to say thank you. It's a good thing. God wants that. And so there's so many things to be thankful for. Air, sunshine. The blue skies, colors. I, I think for colors, it gives you eyes to see, but then he makes, he could have made everything in black and white. He made the colors, gave you food. He could have just given you food. Well, this COVID thing has taken people's taste away. And all of a sudden, food doesn't mean anything to them. Who knew that? It's the taste, the smell, the touch, the feel of the food that you love. But God made that all so we would enjoy it. And all these things, God, the cross, the Bible, Pastors, aren't you thankful for John and Jenny and the pastors they've took? This has not been an easy thing, you know? If they'd have stepped into this church, but that's not how it happened. John's mentor, his friend, his father, Sherry's dear husband passed away, and all of a sudden, there they were. So I know they're thankful to you. I'm thankful to them. I'm thankful to you. God is good. So I'm gonna, I reminded of a story, a true story of, of thankfulness. And, and God, I bring these things up because it's important for you to continually bring up good things that have happened in your life. See, we are missing one thing in our church that we used to have in the old churches. I don't know why we don't have it. John said, oh, there he goes again. I just put another thing on John's list that he's going to have to figure out how to do because he knows he's wrong by not having this. <laughs> but I haven't talked to him about it yet. Their thing called a testimony service where you stand up and say, God did this for me. I know why we don't have that anymore. Because when you put out the light, the bugs come. You're going to get some weird things that people think God gave them. And if God gave them to them, it's because he didn't want it anymore. You know that. But, but isn't it wonderful to hear fresh things that God has done for people? And we get excited. Well, uh, we started our ministry, Kathy and I, uh, when we graduated from Vanguard. And we went into full-time ministry at a church. We knew that's where God called us. It wasn't a big church. We'd had a lot of offers to go into big churches. But this is where God called us. It's a little church of 65 people, and they wanted us to be youth pastors there. And we came in, there were four people, four youth, four youth. No wonder they only offered us $25 a month. I mean, I mean a week to work there. $25. I'd done a study in high school. To, it was called Senior Problems, and you had to learn to live on $500 a month, and I couldn't make it in my budget. Now I'm getting $25, you know, a week. But anyway... That church grew, God was good. Uh, in a couple years, we had almost 300 young people in the church. And the church was like, like almost 700, but half of them were young people. 
But after that three years, we felt, I felt for sure that I needed to go out beyond the walls of the church and go out into the street and work. And so I had a person that I really loved. He was one of my superheroes. We all have Christian superheroes, or we should, you know. Batman shouldn't be your superhero. The Hulk is not real. Right? Captain whatever. I'm telling you, folks, I, I like to watch those things, but they're not real. I, I, I know I'm disappointed. Santa Claus is not real either. I, I, I shouldn't have said that. I forgot you're not supposed to say that. I'm just kidding. Um, oh, boy. How did, I didn't say that in any service. How did I do that? That was a wrong. And, uh, yeah, 1130. I, okay. Anyway. My favorite, my, my Christian superhero was named Dave Wilkerson. Does anybody know when I say that name, Dave Wilkerson? Let me see your hands. David Wilkerson, he's not a lot of you, was a famous evangelist who was called by God to go to the New York City. He was from a little tiny church. God put him in a big city, and he started reaching all these gang members, these killers. In fact, Dave Wilkerson, you might know Teen Challenge. Dave Wilkerson started Teen Challenge. It's all over the world now. Victory Outreach is part of Dave Wilkerson's converts. Dave Wilkerson was this great man and had reached the lost. And I liked that. He was my hero because he did it. And so we left the church and we started working on the street. And pretty soon we had a few converts, like we had 10 or 12 converts. And I wanted to do what Dave Wilkerson did. You know what Dave Wilkerson did? He went out and got a house for all his converts. It was a big house. And he just went up to a person that was really wealthy. And he said to that person, God wants you to give me a house. And the person gave it to him. I wanted to be just like David Wilkerson. We needed a house. I didn't know any wealthy people. Because he was famous, Dave now. He wrote the book, Crossing the Switchblade. You remember that book? Yeah. Written about him. So I took my number one convert and we went into a real estate office on Whittier Boulevard. Walked in there proudly. I was going to show my convert how you step out in faith. I was going to disciple him to be a man of God. I knew more than he did. So I walked into this real estate agent's office and I was trembling, but he didn't know that. But my convert didn't know that. And so I told the real estate agent when he came to us, can I help you? I said, yes, we want a house. I think you're supposed to say that if you go into a real estate agent's so. office. He said, oh, really? Okay, how big of a house? And I said, I remember... I don't care. Well, you usually don't say that. And he looked at us and he knew he cared. I said, I don't care, just a big one. And I told him we had started this ministry and we're reaching kids on the street. And I thought that would kind of make him compassionate. And he said to me, um, okay, let me ask you something. Let's say we find a big house. How are you going to pay for it? And I said, oh, easy. My father's going to pay for it. And he looked at me, folks, I can still see the look in his eye. And he says, you mean your dad? Now, folks, this is the time you stand up as a man of God. This is the time you take the rock and put it in your sling and say, Goliath, I haven't come here by myself. I've come here with God. And so I said, no, not my dad. And he said, you mean God? And I said, yes, sir. And I thought the heavens would open, the trumpets would blow, the guy would fall on his knees and say, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. I've got this huge house, it's yours. 
You want to know what happened? He escorted me out of the office. Onto the street, and I'm standing on Woody Boulevard with my convert, and he's looking at me like, you don't know what the heck you're doing, do you? I felt really discouraged and disappointed. Now, God, do you have favorites? Why did you do this for Dave Wilkerson, but you won't do it for me? You ever done that? Two days later, I got a call from a pastor. That pastor, I just found out, is in preaching today in Brea. He's 90 years old. It's his birthday, 90th birthday, John. But anyway, this pastor called me and says, Tony, I, I heard you're not working at the church anymore, your church. Can you come and work at our church? I said, no, I'm not doing that. He says, no, 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 you need to come. I've been praying, you need to come. You need to come and talk to me. I said, okay. So I took my number one convert. We went over to the pastor's place, his office. He talked to me. He said, I want you to come to our church. I think God wants you. I said, no. He said, just part-time. I'll pay you. I said, I don't think so. I'm out here working on the street. And then he said this to me. Do you need a house? Wow. Dave Wilkerson, house, real estate office. Uh, yeah, we're looking for a house. He said, I knew it. God told me. Wow. Don't you hate it when you don't trust God? And then he, he, you get embarrassed, don't you? And he says, we have a house. I want you to come and look at it. And so we walked across the street. There was this big old majestic, I remember, white house, two-story big house. And he said, this house has been sitting here vacant for a long time. The church bought it because we're going to tear it down someday and we're going to build a family center. But right now, I believe this house is for you. I couldn't believe what was happening. He said, do you want to come in and look at it? I said, sure. So we walked in the house. And I'm, folks, I'm telling you this. I love to tell the story. Because the house was filthy. It was dirty. <coughs> the dirtiest house I'd ever seen. You say, why would you like that? Because if you read The Cross and the Switchblade, the book the, tells you about the house that Dave Wilkerson got was dirty and filthy. And I wanted to be just like my superhero. And this house, I'm sure, was dirtier than his house. Because over on the fireplace was a dead rat. Been there for a long time. It was covered with dust. For the first time in my life, I saw a real dirty rat. That's, it's a joke. The house had seven bedrooms. He said, you can have this house if you come and work with my young people. I said, I know God's calling me to work with your young people right now. <laughs> so we got the house, and I told the pastor, I said, we're going to come in and clean this house up, because that's what Dave Wilkerson's young people did. I've got the people, we're going to clean it all up. He says, no, you're not. I said, what do you mean? He said, I've already talked to the ladies of the church. Wow, the ladies of the church are powerful, aren't they, Sherry? I don't think we know in this church how much the ladies do. They're scary. Man, you've got a long ways to go to catch up. I know you haven't. All you care about is bacon hot dogs, man. They do. No, I'm just. Anyway, that was a joke, folks. But Sherry's shaking her head. Yeah. Listen. He said, no, you're not going to clean up because I've talked to ladies. They're coming in tomorrow to clean it up. Give us two weeks. They're going to clean this whole house. But I've also talked to the men of the church. They're coming in. They're going to paint the outside and the inside. They're going to do all the plumbing, all the electrical, that's, anything that's dead. They're going to fix it all. When you come, this is going to be like a brand new house. I thought, wow. God, you get better and better every day. 
Dave Wilkerson had to clean his own house. We don't have to do that. And we moved in that house. Let me tell you something in the scripture, and I'm going to read it to you out of Deuteronomy. It says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing, say blessing, and a curse, say curse. The blessing is if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And didn't I say that thanksgiving or thankfulness is a command? So we should obey it. There's a blessing if you obey the commands, and there's a curse if you don't obey the commandments of the Lord your God. So let me give you quickly some of the curses of being unthankful. All right? Curses of being unthankful. Because unthankfulness brings many curses. Number one, cynicism. Cynicism. If you have a cynical heart. And maybe it started in high school because that's kind of where it starts. And by the time you're at university age, you're a young adult, it really develops and festers and becomes part of your DNA. You didn't want it to be, but now it's part of your life and you actually are proud of it. Because a cynic is one who believes human conduct is wholly wholly motivated by self-interest. A cynic is contemptuously distrustful of human natures and motives. A cynic has a negative attitude toward life. They're always looking on the dark side of life. A.W. Tozer, one of the great Bible speakers, authors, preachers, says this. In this world of corruption, there is a real danger that the earnest Christian may overreact in their resistance to evil and become a victim a victim of the religious occupational disease cynicism. The constant need to go counter to popular trends may easily develop in them a sour habit of fault-finding and turn them into a sulky critic of others' matters without charity and without love. He goes on to say, what makes this cynical spirit particularly dangerous is that the cynic is usually right. Their analysis are accurate. Their judgments sound. They can prove they are right in their moral values. Yet for that, they are wrong. They are pathetically wrong. But because they are right, they never suspect how wrong they are. They slide imperceptibly into a condition of chronic bitterness and come at last to accept it as normal. We don't want to be cynics. That's not pleasing to God. It's a curse of being unthankful. Another curse of being unthankful is pride. Pride. Pride's an independent spirit, a me-first attitude. You know, it's not about theology, it's about me-ology. It's not about thee, it's about me. That's pride. Thinking we can act apart from God. Saying we don't need him in all we do. Don't you know we need God in everything we do? Pride is acting as if no one in the universe is more important than us. Pride is simply the refusal to acknowledge that we are what we are actually in the eyes of God. We need to see us through God's eyes. I tell our interns, I tell our disciples that I work with all the time, when you know God, then you will find out who you are. But you're never going to find out who you are until you know who God is. Pride is meaning I'm entitled to everything, and others aren't. But the Bible says God resists the proud. Wow. Just a simple little sentence, but it puts it all in order, doesn't it? 
God resists the proud. I don't want him to resist me, do you? Number three, curse of, of, dis, of unthankfulness is discontent. Some of you live in discontent. You're always discontented. Never happy, never satisfied. Heartache, confusion, frustration, anxious, always worried. You can blame it on your past. You can blame it on former friends or relationships. But you know what? You need to blame it on yourself. Because if you were a thankful person, you wouldn't live that way. And that's what we need to see. Discontent has many enemies. Thankfulness has none. Number four, doubt. Doubt is another curse of being unthankful. It charges God with lying. When we don't thank God for the things he's done in our life, what we are saying actually is that we, those things have come to our life because of us. I am responsible for all the blessings in my life. And when we do that, we make God a liar because the Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes from the Father of lights. Believe yourself or believe the word of God. Not believing God is saying, uh, not believing God is what doubt is. Not believing God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. We need to believe that, right? And there's some other things uh, we could go into. I don't have time about curses of, of, of unthankfulness, or humanism, covetousness, and criticism, but we won't. Because I like to get to the other side. There's blessings and there's what? There's curses and there's what? Would you like to talk about blessings more than curses? I would. Number one, blessing of being a thankful person. It develops and reinforces dependency upon Christ. I think enough of us don't depend upon Christ. I know I live most of my life that way, calling myself a Christian, being in ministry, going through life, and not really depending on Christ or trusting in him. God had to deal with me on that, so now this is one of my favorites. It develops and reinforces dependency on Christ. Um, let me tell you a little more of that story. We outgrew that house because we started reaching more and more converts. And we were called by another pastor to go up to the uh, middle of California and, and, and work in a, a little coffee house because I had started a lot of coffee houses. And we worked up there and we were supposed to be there for a weekend and we ended up staying for 17 weeks. And all these kids all over the valley were meeting Christ. We stopped race riots in the schools. Things happened. The newspaper came out. The networks came out. They interviewed. Hundreds of kids were giving their life to the Lord. And after that 17 weeks, we left. And now we had 65 young people committed to work with us. So what we did is we rented two small little houses that had three bedrooms and we put 30 guys in one house and 35 girls in another house. How many of you want to know that's crowded living? And we told them, don't let the neighbors know how many are in the house. Can you imagine us saying that? Don't use the front door all at the same time. Go out the windows, go out the back door. Just don't let them know. Every room had bunk beds in it. Double high, no, triple high. We were okay. Kathy and I slept in a garage because they put a bed in it, and that's where we slept. But God was doing mighty things. Our budget at that time was $300 a month. 
Not a lot to feed that many people, right? But some man said, God spoke to me, and he, he had these big warehouses, and he gave us a boxcar. You know the boxcar on the train? I don't, they don't call them that anymore, but it's like a container full of chicken spread. Number 10 cans of chicken spread. Do you know, I don't like chicken spread in the first place. We ate it for three to four years, chicken spread. Chicken spread in the morning, chicken spread in the lunchtime, chicken spread at night. We would get the bread free because it was day-old bread. You'd get that free. But we had a variety. You could get chicken spread without the bread or chicken spread with the bread. <laughs> I hated chicken spread. But then a lady came from New Zealand and wanted to help us with all our cooking for all our kids. She said, Tony, you don't know. Why are you just eating chicken spread? You can have more than that. There's better sandwiches. We said, really, what is it? She said, cucumber sandwiches. Cucumber sandwiches? Cucumber on bread. I'd rather have chicken spread. <laughs> Three years of eating chicken spread, and one of the cooks came out of the kitchen and said, you know what, Tony, I just read the label. This is concentrated. We're supposed to break it down. <laughs> it was awful. Those are great days to remember back on, but not to be want to be in again, you know. We needed a new place. Just like God, we, we now were living and depending on God. He got us this place. He got us the next place. Now we need a new place. Fret, worry, stress, no. Anxious, no. Just trust God. So we thanked him for where we were, and then we got a call from a pastor. And he says, Tony, I heard about what you're doing. Do you, do you need a new place? We said, yes, we do. He said, come up and see me. I think we've got just the place God wants for you. And so we went up to Northern California, Santa Rosa. The pastor told us, listen, we want to build a new church. That's been our vision at our church. And someone just gave us their property. We want to sell their property and put it towards our new church. We believe this is a great property for you. Do you want to look at it? We said, sure. I hope it's not more than $300 a month. It was 28 acres. There were three massive houses on it. One house was 5,000 square feet. That's where the owner, his wife, and his two daughters lived, in a 5,000 square foot house. 28 acres. It had a four-hole golf course on it because the owner loved to play golf. So he built a professional, a PGA, four-hole golf course on his property in the Redwoods. Most beautiful thing you'd ever see. He built an 18-hole golf course, miniature golf course, for the kids. There was a cabana, there was a pool, there was a corral, there were horses, there were everything, a pond. This thing was huge. And the pastor said, wouldn't you like to live here? And all I was thinking, yeah, we would. We could, man, we could put about 100 people in this place, 150 people. And uh, he says, you can have it. We said, have it? He said, oh yeah, you can have it. $330,000. Now, folks, when you're making $300 a month, $330,000 is a lot of money. So here's what the young man, my number one convert, he's really growing now. He said, Tony, can I pray? He said, yeah, let's pray. So we all joined hands. The pastor was there, and he prayed, and this is what he said. Lord, you've been so good to us, and we've depended on you, and we thank you for everything you've done. If you want us to have this place, we'll take it. 
If not, we'll sleep on the street the rest of our lives. I've never forgotten the prayer. And we told the pastor, we'll let him know. Two weeks later after prayer, we felt this was the place to take. And so we told the pastor, we're going to move in. And we moved in, and one year later, we paid the place off. That's God. And we thanked him for it. But that inevitably, guess what happened? We outgrew it. We had over 125 people on the property, and we rented some houses off the property. Just at that time when we needed another place, I got a call from another preacher. This is about two years, three years later, and he said, Tony, I heard about the work you're doing. Do you need a place? We said, yes. He said, fly back to see me. So we flew out to see him. He'd had a, a, a center there for people, young people. And he said, I've got, a, I've got an option on all this property here. And if you would like it, I think that God has spoken to me to have you move here. We prayed and we moved there. And in a few years, we had a complex. We built it from the ground up. We had a complex that was worth $5 million. We put in our own electricity, our own water. It housed 700 people. And we had a cafeteria that fed 1,000 people. And we had 500 acres. Is that God? Oh, I forgot to tell you who the preacher was that called me. His name was Dave Wilkerson. And now I'm living, I'm living next to my hero. We're next door neighbors. In fact, he was so much my hero that when he took me in his Jeep to ride me around the property, I almost threw up. Because I'm with this person that I'd revered all my life. God is so good, isn't he? So it builds uh, dependency upon Christ. Let me quickly go through this. Number two, it cures cynicism. Thankfulness has a great curative power. It will cure cynicism. Heart flowing with gratitude will be safe from the attacks of resentfulness and gloom that bothers so many religious people. Number three, it glorifies God. I love to glorify God, don't you? Number four, it causes others to thank him. Thankfulness is contagious. If you don't turn around to someone and say thank you, and they'll say thank you. I'm waiting to her to do it. See, she did she do it? You said thank you, she didn't do it. Okay, do it again. Say thank you again. When you say thankful to people, they say thank you back to you, don't they? It's contagious. So I love that part about it. It causes others to thank him. Thankfulness brings joy to God's heart. And another thing about thankfulness, it keeps us from depression and discontent. Another thing about thankfulness it keeps us in God's will. Because here's what the Bible says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. People are always asking God for his will in their life, but they never obey the will he's already written out in the scripture. I think it's important you obey what's written in the scripture first, then ask him, what further will do you have in my life? Let me give you some practice of giving thanks, okay, and we'll wrap it up. Practice of giving thanks. Number one, it should be definite. In a moment, we're going to do a little exercise. But I know some of you are already thinking this. Oh, this guy's talking about thankfulness. I haven't been thankful. I feel guilty. What do I do now? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home. I'm going to just confess to God. God, I'm sorry. I'm thankful. Okay? I'm thankful for the past. Everything you've done. Lock, stock, and barrel. Everything. And I'm thankful for today. And I even want to thank you for tomorrow in case I forget. 
I thank you now. One of the practices of thankfulness is you must be definite. Be specific. God gave you things one at a time. He wants you to thank him one at a time. Thank him for the things he's done. So be very specific in your thanking of him. Number two, be very wholehearted. Do it with all your heart. Don't go home and say, oh, God, I wish I wouldn't have been there Sunday morning. This preacher talked about thankfulness. I haven't been thankful. So, okay, God. Okay, God. I thank you. Someday I'm going to pay my tithe too, but I thank you, God. I don't know why I'm on tithe today, John. It's just crazy. I didn't say it in any other service. Thank God often. That's the third thing. Thank him often. The Bible says continually thank God. Say often. Awesome. We should continually thank God. Yeah. Another thing is record your thankfulness. You can get a little a, a diary or a journal and start writing down that all the things God's done for you. Let me ask you a question. Is there something that God did yesterday in your life that you maybe not realized it was God, but now that you're looking back on it, you can say, yeah, that was a blessing from God. Anybody in this place say, I know some blessings from God from yesterday. Let me see your hands. Raise them up. See, that's the kind of thing you can write in your book. And then tomorrow when you're going through a little hard time, you just read in your book and say, God did this and he did this and he did this and I'm thankful. So record. The Bible says record your thankfulness. I, we don't have time to get into it, but it does say record your thankfulness. Now, here's one way you can do it. You write letters. Now, I know some of the young ones in the crowd, oh, Tony, you're so old. Nobody writes letters anymore. You don't, haven't you heard? We email. We used to Facebook, but that's not so cool. Now we email, but that's not so cool. Now we, we message or, or, or we text, and pretty soon that won't be so cool. And pretty soon we won't have to do any of it. We'll just breathe, and it'll happen because technology is improving. Look, I want you to, I know all that stuff. I want you to write a letter. Now, a letter is this. You get a piece of paper. There's paper available. You know what paper is, right? You get a piece of paper, and it can be small. They're called notes if they're smaller. You get a piece of paper, and there are actually implements you can use to write on that paper, like a, they're called a pencil or a pen. For some of you who have never done this, and I know some of you don't know how to write cursively because you never learned how. So you can print, print your letter, or use symbols like you do on texting. But I want you to write one letter. Pick out someone in your life that has really helped you. How many of you have ever had people in your life that have really helped you? Let me see your hand. Ever? A lot of people. Some have taught you, and you're a musician like Gary, Where's Gary up there? Gary, in the back at the piano. Gary, someone taught you to play the piano, right? Yeah. And that might have been a lot of years ago, but what happened if Gary writes that person and says, thank you? Do you think it would mean something to that person? What happened if you wrote one of your teachers from school and said, you influenced me and here's where I am today? Do you think that would mean something? What happened if you wrote a relative or an employer or an employee, or a friend, and you said, thank you. I've done that. You will not believe the response. If you write one letter, it will not be your only letter when you see the response. Write a letter. I'll tell you one story. I preached this sermon at a church in North, it was up in Washington. 
And I went back the next year. They'd asked me to come back and preach, and I went back to preach. And he, a, a girl about, I don't know, 22, 23 years old came up to me before I, almost as soon as I got in the church, she said, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. So we sat on and talked. She says, Tony, my life has been totally transformed. She said, before you preached last year, I was the most unthankful person you'd ever seen. But when you said that, God spoke to me and said, you need to start practicing thankfulness. And she said, okay, God, I'm so sorry. And the first person she thought of thanking, believe it or not, was her employer. Now, she worked as a server in a restaurant. And the employer was, he owned the restaurant. He was very mean, a surly person that was very, in, he was not a tolerant person. He bossed people around. He was loud. He cursed people, his own staff. And she said, I know what's wrong with him. He's not thankful. That's cool, isn't it? And she left during a break, and she went up to his door of his office where he hid himself most of the time, and she knocked on the door. And he heard her, and he, he didn't know who it was. He said, who is it? And she said her name. <clears throat> and he said, don't bother me. I'm busy. And she says, no, I need to talk. He said, I told you I'm busy. Don't bother me. She says, no, I need to talk to you. Do it later. No, I need to do it now. And so he finally said, come in. And when she walked in, he told me, she told me, he never even looked at her. He had his head down and doing his work. He says, have a seat. She sat down. He says, what do you want? And she said, oh, here's what I want to tell you. I won't take long. I want to apologize to you for not ever thanking you for being my boss. He said, what? And he looked up at her. She said, I know you've worked hard to develop this business. I know you've sacrificed to make this business work. I have never thanked you. And I want to thank you right now. He looked at her. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. She said, you have made my job possible. And then she said, Tony, I didn't get much farther than that. And I looked at him, and all of a sudden, a tear was coming out of his eye. This crusty old man that no one even liked, and there was a tear coming out of his eye. And she said, I want to thank you for the wages you give me. I know that's hard, but I want to thank you for the wages, the opportunity, the place. And she went on, and she said, Tony, before I was even through, he was sobbing like a little baby. And he tried to get a hold of himself, and he couldn't. And finally, he brushed all the tears away. And this is what she said that he said to her, and she told him. She said, young lady, he said, young lady, I have been doing this for 22 years. I've worked hard. I know people don't like me. I have spent all my money, mortgaged my house to make this business go. And in 22 years, you're the first person that has ever thanked me. The first person that has ever thanked me. And then he said this to her. You, young lady, 
have made my whole 22 years worthwhile. That's the power of thankfulness. So here's what we're going to do today, just as an example, just a little exercise. Husbands, listen to me. It's going to be tough on you today. Who is going to be tough? We're going to stand in just a moment. You're going to face your wife. You're going to look her straight in the eyes. That's ah, hard to do. I know people tell I haven't done that for years. You're going to look her straight in the eyes. And you're going to find out, wow, you have blue eyes. I didn't know. I forgot that. You know? You're going to look her straight in the eyes. And you're going to tell her what you're thankful for in her life. And you're not going to say, oh, honey, I just thank you for everything you've done. That, don't even, wife, don't even accept it. It's wrong. And don't you dare say, honey, you know I love you. I mean, that's the biggest cop out of all. Just say, I will not hear that. You're going to tell her specifically, God's going to give you the word. If you let him, you're going to specifically tell her why you're thankful for her. I, I thank you. No one could have put up with me. How have you done it? Thank you. Thank you for being the mom to the kids. Thank you for being my wife. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for all you've been there for me. There's so many things. And then wives, you're going to turn around and tell your husband some things. Now, husbands, I, shame on you if you can only come up with one thing. Don't, wife, just keep standing there. <laughs> Listen to me. I had a lady. She was in the last service. She just walked out. John, she talked to me. She said, my husband's been not there, right? He hasn't been. She used a word. I'm not going to use it. but He's not been right for a while. But when you said that, he stood up, faced me, looked me right in the eye. He hasn't done that for the longest time. He looked me right in the eye, and he started, Tony, he started naming all the things that he was thankful, things that I had wanted him to say for years, and he's never said. She, she was weeping, talking to me, and she said, you will not believe what happened right there to me and to him. I've seen this happen too many times. Now, wives, you got to do the same. But if you have a kid with you, you need to join hands in a circle and you thank your children. Because a lot of times we want our children to thank us, but we don't thank them. There's so much. Aren't you thankful for your children? All the stuff... The joy they brought into the home, the love they brought in. We need to thank them and tell them specifically, not, I thank you for being my kid. It's like you're thanking yourself for having them. What That is crazy. <laughs> I thank you, son. I thank you that you're going to be a man of God. And then you may not have family here. You may have friends here. Your friends, I see some friends here. We had three friends like these. You guys friends right there? You three? Well, I know your sister. Are you a friend or you just, they picked you up off the street or what? You, you know her? Cousin. Oh, that's good. We had three young adults sitting right here sit last night. They started thanking each other for being friends. They started crying. They weren't crying when they came in here. They were crying when they left. Why? Because when you have friends, they're the only people that will put up with your nonsense. Come on, that's what a friend does. They know about you, right? Most people wouldn't hang around with you, but your friends will. 
because they're your friends. And how often do you thank them for being your friend? A friend is a precious treasure. For the employer, have you going to go to your employers and thank your employer? Your employees, those who work with you. Your teachers, those who teach you. And you say, I'm here in the church all alone. I don't know anybody. Oh, this church is here. You need to go up to someone and say, I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful you're here. I don't know who you are, but I'm thankful you're here. And I'm thankful I'm here. Find somebody in just a moment. I'm telling you, it will change your life. Why? Because it will prove to you what I'm saying. There is power in the concept and gift of thankfulness. And that's why God asked us to be thankful. Hear me? We're going to sing a song. I want you to learn this song. Junior's going to lead us in this song. Thank God you're not wearing that wig right now. Sing it, Junior. Teach it. We're going to teach you. We want you to sing it. the audience that you need to go to, I want you to do that. Husbands, right now, I want you to turn and face your wife. Wives, you're going to have to face your husband. You're going to get the surprise of your life in just a moment. Wives are already crying, my Wives are already crying. And when a husband will kneel down before his wife, what, is, what does that do? I want you to, wife, turn to your husband. He's going to look you right in the eyes. Now, I know there's going to be some kissing in here. I don't mind that. As long as it's with the married couples, okay. We'll hold it at there. Find someone. Find someone. You're going to find someone. You're going to go to them. And you're going to thank them. Everybody, it'll be the greatest experience you've had in a long time. We're going to sing it again. Husbands, you may want to say, darling, honey, I'm sorry that I haven't been as thankful as I should be. It's going to change today. It's different today. If you find someone standing alone, go up to that person. Just thank them for being here, okay? You understand what I'm saying? We're going to sing it. You're going to go. Here we go. I'm
you look her in the face and tell her? You did, did you? Why are you crying? Why are you crying? Because I'm so grateful and thankful for his love. Yeah. Because God is a God of second chances and, and more. And, and he looked you in the eye. He looked you in the eye. Yes. And he told you some things. Yes. And those things meant a lot to you. Yes. Wow. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? What's going on right here? What's going on? Oh, I know this guy. Man, you look like you're going to have another baby. You better be careful here, my boy. No, no, no. No, no, okay. No, no. What, what happened? What happened? What's happening? We're thankful. We're thankful for, like my mom said, second chances. God is awesome. And I'm thankful for his hard work and his love and his um, devotion to just being devoted to his family. You're crying. He must have said some nice things to you. Yeah. They mean a lot? A whole lot. A whole lot. You're a good man. You need to talk to him and tell him how much you love him. How about you? Did you do that? You did that? There's a big old guy here, isn't it? <laughs> this this guy's not too proud. He did, what did he tell you? Some he did. Did it mean anything? It meant everything. It meant everything. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You were specific. Yeah. Very specific. Huh? Very specific. Have you talked to him yet? I have. No, I haven't. <laughs> okay, it's your turn. Your turn. I thank you. Come on. I thank you. I thank you for all you've done and all that you will do. You're faithful and I'm grateful. Lord, I thank you. Young man, what is your name? John. John, did you look her in the eyes? I did. What, did you say some really specific things to her? I did. What did that? Ha what happened to you when he did that? It felt good. It felt good. It felt good. You needed those things, right? He's a good man. Have you told him? You? Oh, you're gonna take your time right now. You, you take your time right now. Three girls. One's a cousin, two are sister. Did you guys talk to each other? Who'd you talk to? Diana. Diana, you talked to your sister. Anybody talk to you? Yeah, we were in the process of it. <laughs> I'm not going to bother that process. Here's a family right here. Yeah. This is a dad? Yep. Look at this son. Come here. I love this right here. Look at this son. This is his son. Did you go up and thank him? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Are you going to? Yeah. I am. That's why you got here, right? Yes. Did your dad thank your mom? Did you? Yes. You heard him? Yeah, I heard it. Did that mean a lot when he said that? Wow, here's a son that meant a lot. Did, were you specific? Yes, very. She's crying right now. She's. Why are you crying? I got the surprise of my life. He thanked, he thanked me for the things that he hated about me. <laughs> Thank you. It was good, right? It was really good to hear that. Hear it. You love your parents, don't you? Tell them right now. I love you guys so much. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. God's so good, isn't he? I could go around this whole audience. John, I know we gotta go, I know. But this is how this is how revival starts. This is how revival starts. Who are you two? That's your son. I know that guy. This is a good guy. Did you thank your mom? Yeah, I did. 
Yeah, I did. I mean, there, there's a real man for you right there. I feel like a little weenie right now, man. What did you tell her? Uh, I just thanked her for everything she does, especially like when I was younger, she always just used to like, I, uh, she basically, when I would get in trouble or any type of trouble, she would always comfort me and I appreciated it. And you're serving the Lord because of her, aren't you? Yeah. How did it feel when he said those things? It felt good, but I thank God so much for her. Such a good kid. I just was crying because they never called me to the principal of it. He's a good boy, so kind, leader, help people, love will listen to me when I say, you know, you got to follow the ways of God, always listen to me, watch me pray. He says the same thing, corrects me when I'm off. And I tell you, um, this is, I always tell him, I said, if you are my kid, I would go pay money for your mom to give you back to me because he's such a good kid, and I thank God for him. I love this kid too, man. That's a great, John, I could keep going. You know me. You better come up here and, and take over, John, because there's a great things happening here right now. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc, or call 714-255-0930.